1: Hello, Internet. This is Chase, Redshirt King-Wassener. I'm a free agent, head coach, and analyst, as well as a contributor at Slingshot Esports. And welcome to our eighth edition of our Team by Team World's Podcast Preview Series. We are just about to wrap up Group B. We already did Group A. All of that can be found on our YouTube and SoundCloud pages. It has been an exciting journey as we're now about to be halfway done with these World's Previews. And we have left a, a North American team that at one point last year seemed to be North America's great hope out of nowhere, and then became North America's horror story. Obviously, they want to turn this around and get back to the good old days, uh, and we're going to see if they can do it. And here to break it all down and, and judge exactly how likely that is, is my good friend and co-host, Walter C. 80s FedChuck. Walter, how you doing, man? I am doing very well. You could say I'm perhaps
0: on cloud nine, because <laughs> we are discussing cloud nine today. And I'm going to just get this one pun out of the way. Impact has massive impact on games. Say it with me at home, folks. Impact has massive impact on games. Ha, 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 punny, 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 done. I'm not going to laugh at that again.
1: Should we uh, get out of the uh, the sneaky is a sneaky good AD carry? Should we get that one out of the way, too, just to get them all done? He's
0: not sneaky good. He's just
1: good. It's not like <laughs> we're surprised
0: that sneaky is a good AD carry. It's Yeah, he's been a top three AD carry in North America since season three. Well, yep. well
1: <laughs> let's talk about that, though, because this is something where if you were to ask people before – Were uh, the summer playoffs, before regionals, you know, what was going to go on in the lane swap meta? People were saying, oh, Sneaky's fallen off. He's not good at lane anymore. He can't dominate the lanes like he used to. He's not the eighty carry he once was. This is something he took very personally, and the whole team has been memeing about ever since he then stood back up on that stage. So I got to ask you, Walter, is this the evolution of Cloud9 as a team, utilizing his strengths more efficiently? Or is this one of those things where the lane swap meta really affected his ability to shine and we're now seeing what happens when Sneaky gets to be Sneaky again?
0: Sneaky has never been a lane dominant eighty carry. What we remember of Sneaky being like really good in laning phase is when they abused Ash Zyra and they just CC'd people to death. like. Him being dominant in laning phase was because of the champion style that they chose with him and Lemon Nation would set him up for kills, and Medios would come in and set them up for kills. It wasn't a forgiven, and that was the joke itself, oh, Forgiven, it, you know, Sneaky's laning phase, and then there's a video of him out-dueling forgiven in laning phase. Yeah, whatever, it's solo queue, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But that's never been Sneaky's calling card. Sneaky's calling card has never been like, I'm going to deny my enemy. He's not double lift, he's not forgiven. Mm-hmm. He's Sneaky. He is a guy that is going to play very methodical, very safe in lane. He is going to get his farm. He's going to get his gold. You're going to have some rotational play across the rest of the map, but Sneaky is going to be off in that side lane getting his farm, and then he'll rotate up. He'll make sure your waves are pushed. Codine is very good at their wave management, whether it was with High or now with Reaper as the head coach. They've always been very strong at manipulating their sideways and making sure they don't get pushed in very much. Mm-hmm. It, Laning phase has not been his calling card. That doesn't mean he's bad at it. He's a very solid laner, but his true calling card is when you get into team fights. When you get into the point where he's on mostly on utility carries. When he's on Ashes. When he's on Jins. When he's on Sivir, and he's really manipulating. The course of the team fight with his utility, with Ash arrows, with Jin, uh, the, the Jin captive audience. When he's doing all those kind of things, and he's able to dink and duck and you know maneuver in between tanks and get off his pot shots here and there, that's where he shines.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That is when you want to talk about sneaky and why you say he's a top three eighty carry in North America. It's because of the team fighting phase. Mm-hmm. And yes, when he plays something like Jin in laning phase, he is great. He looks much better in laning phase on something like Jin than he does on something like Ash. Totally agree with that. He definitely looks like a different player when he has that type of champion because of the way he uses a champion, and there is a little bit of RNG built into Jin's kit with the with the auto crit on the ultimate on the fourth auto attack. So I don't buy that. I don't buy this, oh well he's bad at laning phase. No, he's just he's he's not gonna make these crazy plays in laning phase. He saves his crazy plays for team fights, and even then, those are just overshadowed by. He has fantastic, me- like, team fight presence and team fight awareness. And very rarely do you ever see Sneaky get caught out in a team fight. Very rarely do you see him in a position where he can't be peeled for, or where he's in like the enemy back line and there's three damage dealers. Like, oh, we're just going to eat this eighty carry. Very rarely does he put himself in those positions. It really takes. A, a hell of an effort from the enemy team to pull him away from Smoothie and Medios and get him into a spot where you can just instantly blow him up. So I don't buy it. Sneaky's been a top 380 carry since summer of 2013.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that it's one of those things where... The reason that people start grasping at those kind of things is because it's boring to say that the guy that's really good is still really good. There's no story there. And when we saw Cloud9 collapse as badly as they did in the spring playoffs, the easy thing to say is, oh, well, Sneaky had some really bad games in that series. His Jin was not particularly good. That's a champion that has now become very scary, but at one point was not particularly scary at all. Uh, He does do really well on utility-based champions like Ash. That was his most played in regionals, summer playoffs, and the summer itself. And he does have that kind of idea of, you know, being a guy that sets up plays for his teammates. What I think some of the internet community fails to understand is that that is just as useful, if not more so, depending on the type of play style that you're going for. And Cloud9 has always been a team that's focused on getting objectives, pushing towers, making sure that every time their enemy gets one thing, they're getting two things on the other side of the map. And that's what Sneaky allows. And I will say, I think the other thing that's making Sneaky look really good right now is that a former TDK player has grown to be one of the more fun players at this tournament... And let's face it, you're looking at uh, a guy whose career we thought was over, who now puts up incredible things like a plus 24 KDA at Regionals and Medios. Walter, how did Cloud9 get to this point where they no longer have to rely on high and this wave of people whose careers we thought were done are now some of the bigger names on this team?
0: Well, I I think we have to give a lot of credit, and I know this kind of goes against the argument that you and I had on our World Seeding Show about Reaper, but we—I'm not saying he—I'm not saying that.
1: Look, you don't—you don't don't have to say it, Walter. I know what's in your heart. I know what's in your heart. It's okay. Parth,
0: Parth deserved the award. Parth won it. He deserved the award. Congratulations, TSM. There we go. TSM, TSM, TSM. But Reaper did do a hell of a job with this roster. They really. There was a lot of worries about what. What are we going to do without the shot caller? What are we going to do without this narrative? Oh my God! We're. we're oh God, no! Who's going to shot call? And someone is. I, I assume it's probably Medios or, or some combination of people on this team. Uh, they. They found out that uh, Impact is actually uh, Frankenstein's monster, and all he needed was a little jolt, and all of a sudden now he's back to life. And uh, you know, there's two forms to him. There's like. There's like mini Impact. And then there's Mega Impact. And look at that. Mega Impact showed up for the playoffs and for like right at the end of the season. And then he had this little cooldown phase in like the three games that they lost to TSM where he was, where his range bar was, you know, you can't refill it. You have that like, you know, 15, 20, 30 seconds where you like, you can't charge it up. So you got to wait. You got to play back. You got to be careful. That was the TSM series where he just got, you know, like the, Cloud9 kind of got manhandled. And Impact still played very well in that series and almost won them game three and four. Like, let's be honest, he almost won it, and it was a hell of a play by Double if 2 uh, in the last team, second to last team fight to really set TSM in that, in that final game. Um, but it's been the, the shot calling. They somehow figured out how to do it without High, the legendary North American shot caller, who's the only person on the planet from North America that could ever shot call a game of League of Legends. <laughs> My God, I can't believe they did this. And, you know, Impact, like you said impact smoothie and Medios for all guys that were like retire like Medios didn't play for a year and a half basically and now he comes out and sure there were there were jokes early on where i'm like okay i'd love to see him on something other than reksai and then we see him on Kindred and we're like oh god go back to reksai like that was awful <laughs> and then we're like okay well what else can he play you know how to play two champions oh zach oh well look at that. There, yeah, the Zach. Okay, of course. That's a that's a Medios special since way back in the beginning of his career. And we had in the regionals, we had a throwback Medios performance of he's unkillable. He mm-hmm. died four times over the course of the seven games in the regionals. He had a 20 uh, a 24.8 KDA. That is Meteos of old. And while it only happened for this, and he was very, very ineffective against TSM. He has been inconsistent. It really does kind of remind me of, of, of Season 5, uh, when Jensen first came in as, as the mid laner, where it's just sort of some inconsistency, but he has shown these flashes of Medios of old, which bodes very well for them, because Jensen and Sneaky have just been super solid, consistent mid laners. And while Sneaky has just stayed as a top 380 to carry and grown as, like, the rest of the position has grown. Jensen went from being, you know, maybe the sixth best mid laner in North America at, his ten- at the beginning of his tenure to now the second best mid laner in North America. And while he's not, he's not very close to Bjergsen, I think the gap between him and three and four is, is, is slowly starting to increase to a point where, you know, I would not put Poe Belter in the same conversation that I would Jensen. Jensen has just proven that his champion pool is exceptionally strong. We know that he can play everything from Orianna to LeBlanc to Talia. Uh, we've seen now in some of these videos that have been creeping out out of some uh, out of some nefarious deeds by some ne'er-do-wells on the internet that he's expanded to Aurelian Soul and things of that nature. Oh, so man. I'm very excited to see what Jensen does at Worlds and his continued improvement And the career resurgence of Impact, Medios, and Smoothie have really put Cloud9 in a position of success, not only in North America, but potentially in this Group B.
1: Yeah. You know, this hack has made me feel very awkward because... I feel like I'm in that scene from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where I'm like, oh, man, oh, that's terrible. I can't believe your scrims got leaked. Uh, where where did they get leaked? <laughs> just just so I can avoid them. Just so I can make sure not to see them, you know, because I wouldn't want to do that. I'm just curious, um, you know. I, but let's let's be clear here. These are some players whose careers could easily have been done and have now turned it around, and you have to give – both Reapered and the veteran experience of Jensen and Sneaky, a lot of credit for that. When you look at Smoothie, you're looking at a guy who was on Team Dragon Knights, got benched from Liquid after one game, and then got picked up by Cloud9, and is now one of the best supports in North America. Impact is a guy that we were begging to retire after his split on NRG, a team that disappointed oh so many people and now no longer exists as a North American entity. We told him, please, please keep your legacy intact. And now, as far as he's concerned, he says, don't call me SKT Impact. Call me Cloud9 Impact because I'm playing the best of my career, which I'm not 100% sure I agree with, but it's close enough that I love the enthusiasm. But... You know, we have to talk about the other side of this, Walter, because their regional performance was amazing, undoubtedly. They beat up on Envious, they beat uh-huh. Immortals. But we have talked before on previous episodes of these previews about how there are some regions that feel very top heavy right now. Team Liquid was not a good team in the playoffs, Envious was not a good team in the playoffs. No. Immortals folded under the pressure, as Immortals does every time they're in these kinds of series nowadays. It's happened enough that we can say it's no longer just a thing that happened. This is a pattern. This, is a, this team cannot handle the bright lights that are in front of them. And when they played a team that we do have respect for on an international stage, they lost. And that series to TSM, it was like, I think you said at the time, it felt like... TSM was toying with them. Like, game one, they were just saying, oh, what is it you want to do, Cloud9? Oh, we'll give you whatever picks you want. Let's see what you want to do. Oh, that's it? Oh, we can crush that three games in a row, and the series will never feel close again. So is is that concerning to you when you look at the quality of teams they're going to be playing against, or do you feel like that gap just maybe says more about TSM than it does about anything else? I, I think it actually says more about TSM.
0: Cloud9's problem to me, in the, in the scope of North America, because we haven't, I can't compare them to an SKT in terms of macro play because they haven't played against each other, they haven't played against other Korean teams, it's very difficult to transpose what happens in North America to Korea and, and the like, all we can do is kind of speculate. In the context of North America, Cloud9 struggles when they are out talented early on. When they don't have a lead early on, when they can't get out and, and establish themselves, and then use a a almost superior macro game, I think, in all honesty, they have the best macro game in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe may slightly under TSM, but it, it's pretty close in terms of their macro games. But their problems against TSM were not in team fight decision making. Like there were still moments in that series where. You're, you know, 30 minutes in and they're down by 8, 9, almost 10,000. And they're still close in these team fights. They know how to position. They know when to pick their fights. They know how to flank. They know how to utilize impact, split pushing in a side lane with either Nara or Shen or Echo or whatever. They know how to do all those things. It seems like, though, when in that first 10 to 15 minutes, if you can just out-talent them... That's their problem, mm-hmm. because Impact, up until the playoffs and, and, and regionals, had not shown that he was going to beat you in laning phase. And even that only happened on Gnar. Mm-hmm. He really only crushed laning phase with NAR, abusing, abusing the champion's kit, essentially. Mm-hmm. Medios is Meteos. At his core... He would much rather sit back, farm his jungle, get his levels, and then pick his spots where he wants to get in. He is very reactionary in that, is that he's more of a counter-ganker than he is, I'm going to go gank this. He's very much, I want to read the enemy jungler. And that's why they were so successful against Immortals, was the ward positioning that Medios and Smoothie had really read rain over, and Meteos just understood his jungling pass. Mm-hmm. When you take him out of the friendly confines against playing, you know, preparing for someone that he just played a week ago, and the amount of time and effort that he put into him and the amount of film that he has just of them, it's going to be very difficult for him to have that same type of preparation and that same tor- site of sort of sixth sense against Blank, against Bengi, against Karsa especially. And then you, you said it on the IMA, avoidless is kind of easy to read. Maybe that's you know, a, a saving grace for Medios that he doesn't have to try so hard. Um, Sneaky, as we said, is not a lane-dominant. 80 Carry. He's good in laning phase, he is smart in laning phase, but there is no one really on this team with the the exception of Jensen and even he in the last month and a half or so has pulled back on the solo play potential. And that's they...
1: something that I just think that we really need to keep in mind just overall is that they do not play an aggressive early game. You know, you mentioned the comparison Medios to Avoidless. I think they're two very similar junglers, honestly, in their style. I think that we know what they want to do, and they tend to execute the exact same game plan every game because, let's face it, there's only one lane that Cloud9 wants to be ganking for early in the game because Jensen likes to farm up and Sneaky likes to farm up. And that just limits the number of options that you have, and it makes you predictable in the same way that Avoidless is predictable, because who are you going to gank for? You're going to gank for Amazing Jay. Now, that, to me, makes this a very interesting head-to-head matchup, because I think that Cloud9 and I may play a similar style, with the exception of, I think that Smoothie is a better support, and I think that Athena and Bami are going to make a really interesting back-and-forth with Jensen. At the end of the day, Walter, you say this comes down to skill. This is, a, this is These are the best teams in the world. There is no wildcard team here, so there's no excuse of, oh, well, they've got at least one team that maybe wouldn't be here otherwise. All of these teams have earned their spot. Do they have the talent to set up the kind of methodical victories you're talking about? Do you think this team gets out of groups?
0: I'm going to say yes. Uh, I think that this team is, is very strong um, in terms of the confines of this group. I think you've pointed out um, weaknesses that both Flash Wolves and, and I may have that can be very easily exploited by Cloud Nine. Mm-hmm. I think Flash Wolves do have the type of mid laner that could outduel Jensen early on. Um, I think MDD is it's kind of a toss up against Impact. Maybe he can you know. Maybe he can stop the, the incredible rolling train that is Impact. Um, Meteos versus Carson, I'm always going to throw that to Karsa just because he is the, he's the guy that's always going to initiate it. He's always going to be the one that's there first to gank. And Meteos, I think, is going to have a hard time really reading him because Karsa can be fairly unpredictable in his jungle pathing and, and his ganks. Uh, but Cloud9 saving grace is going to be the sneaky smoothie into NL Sword Art lane. Because Sneaky and Smoothie, I think this is a lane that they absolutely could exploit. And this could be a couple of games where we do see Sneaky show off. Yeah, I've got some laning chops. Like, I'm not just this guy that's going to sit back, play Ash and Farm. Like, absolutely. yeah, I can kill this kid. Like, and that will be their saving grace. And you said it on the Flash Wolves podcast, which, if you haven't gone to listen to it, go listen to it on SoundCloud or watch it on YouTube right now. Pause the video. <laughs> All right, welcome back. So you just heard Chase say <laughs> that Flash Wolves, it's the opposite of last year. They're really good in the early game, but the later you go, the more they start to crumble. Their late-game macro decision-making is, is not very crisp. Uh, so I think against IMA, cloud is just more talented across the board. Um, the only position I think is close is probably Impact versus Amazing Jay. And again, we'll see. Impact is played against fantastic top laners in North America and crushed them under his Tiny you know, giant feet and made them look small and insignificant. And I've hyped up my boy Haunters all all year. I thought he was you know the best top laner in North America and even better than Hooney And Impact just took him to town in that series against TSM. So we'll see. A lot of what's going to happen is if teams can shut down Impact because this is harkening back to season three and season four. Cloud nine when Medios was at his best and when Balls was at his best. It was. You knew Medios was going to go gank at level 3, level 4 for Balls, and he was going to get him ahead, and he was going to come back at level 6 or level 7 for the top laners and get him another kill, and then Balls just ran a train down the rest of the lane, and that was it. And Impact has sort of been a similar style the last you know three, four weeks. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see, but I think Cloud9 has the best chance out of the other three teams to make it out, um, but I don't think they have a chance at beating SKT. I think SKT will just roll over them.
1: Yeah, well, this is where I have such a hard time. If you've been paying attention, I said Flash Wolves had a 35% chance. I said I may have a 25% chance. That leaves a 40% chance for Cloud9. So they are the team that I favor ever so slightly. And a lot of that comes down to the fact that I think week one is when Cloud9 looks their best. It's when they really showed off some new stuff last year at Worlds. I think Reaper is going to have some strategies ready to go. And I think in this group, if you get an early lead, I don't see them falling off the way they did last split. I think there's too much talent, and they've become too intelligent outside of having to rely on one guy to make this whole system work. However, I am going to say, <laughs> I think that IME can absolutely take a game off of Cloud9. I think they're, they're, in a lot of ways, very evenly matched teams. I don't see Cloud9 taking a game off of SK Telecom whereas I do see Aime or Flash Wolves potentially having that opportunity. And I think Flash Wolves match up really well with Aime. So all these teams are going to be playing each other. This is the si- situation where I could see a three-way tie for that two seed <laughs> and us spending like three hours watching games afterwards and then they battle into a tie again and you have to coin flip it and whatever. It's in play. Each one of these teams has strengths that if they play to their best, can be really fun to watch. And I know Group D is the group of death. I know that everyone's talking up about how Group D, so many talented teams, so many great things to watch. I gotta be honest, Group B is the one that I'm most excited for because there are so many different things that could play out. But you know what? Maybe there are other groups that you want to see covered. If you want to see Group A, we've done all those, and we've now finished Group B. All of those you can find on our YouTube channel. Uh, if you just search "Rough Drafts Podcast," you'll find that. Uh, if you're on SoundCloud, you can go to soundcloud.com/esportsroughdrafts. Take those MP3s on the go—always a good thing. We're also on iTunes. If you search for Rough Drafts on the podcast section, there, we're going to be doing Group C starting tomorrow. So we're going to be going all in, we're going to make sure we tackle every single one of these teams, and and Group C is of course a, a battle of two teams that, one of which I think Walter likes a lot more, and one of which I think is dastardly underrated. Dastardly isn't really the right way to describe it, but I'm going to go with it. Dastardly underrated. It means, <laughs> Dastardly. That, that's what it means now. It is insidious how much people are underrating them. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I definitely didn't just forget the word I wanted. <laughs> but You guys should definitely come back Check all of that out, and if you want to talk to us directly about anything we said, we'll read all the comments, so definitely do that and subscribe and all those fun things, but we also have social media accounts for a reason. I'm at RedShirtKing on Twitter. Walter, where can the nice people at home find you?
0: You guys can follow me at C80s underscore LOL, and I really can't wait to talk about one player in that
1: group. I'm yeah. so And you just cannot hide it. I think that is incredibly clear. You'll have to forgive me for my excitement. But until we talk about the other Greek freak, we'll have to move on. So until then, goodbye, Internet.